I just want to welcome our, our Frontline family. It's so good to be with you this morning. A big welcome to everyone watching online as well as those present throughout all our campuses today. What a blessing it is to gather with the saints of Jesus Christ and to bring our Lord the praise that He deserves. Church, can we agree today that He deserves all blessing and honor and glory? Can we do that? Can we settle the fact that there is none besides Him and that He is the way, the truth, and the life? That He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords? If you believe that this morning, tell the person next to you, that's my Jesus He's talking about. That's my Jesus. What We lift up His wonderful name this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we count it a privilege to gather in your name and to be a part of the church that you said the gates of hell will not prevail against. As we dedicate this time to you today, we ask that your word would shed light on the areas of our lives that need it the most so that we don't continue to walk in brokenness and defeat, always repeating the same cycles and trying to rely on our independence. But instead, Lord, that we would learn to walk, even if it is with a limp, and depend fully on you. Lord, show us today that there is a better way, and that better way is found in you. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. You may take your seats this morning. Church, today I want to preach a, a message to you that I've titled, Walking with a Limp. I've called it, Walking with a Limp. It may sound like a bit of a strange title, I know, but you will understand the significance of what this means as we go through the Word today, a word that I believe the Lord wants us all to hear. If you have your Bibles, go to Genesis number chapter or chapter number 32, and we'll start reading there shortly. But before we do that, church, do you ever think to yourself, what has happened to me? What has happened to me? Have you gone through something in life that you didn't expect? Or you made some choices that didn't result in the outcome you expected? Or you made some choices that in hindsight you know they were the wrong choices and, and ended up getting you in trouble and you get knocked down so hard that you almost forget who you really are. It's like life has dealt you this knockout punch and either for a few moments or perhaps even for a few years you're left in a daze and wondering, who am I? What happened to me? Am I really this person that God told me I would become? Hold on to that thought for a moment. Church, you know what, church, when I was a young lad, from the age of about 10 or 11, I used to love watching boxing fights with my dad, and I became so intrigued by them. In my mind, I remember such boxers like Tommy the Hitman Hearns, Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran, and a bit before my time were boxers like Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, George Foreman and Ken Norton, among others. My favorite boxer was Tommy the Hitman Hearns. He had a bit of a glass jaw, but man, he had a big heart, and he could box like no one I've ever seen since. And there were great battles that happened between these fighters in that era that defied imagination and inspired many. 
But I want to tell you today about a greater fight that happened many, many centuries before that. In one corner was an experienced fighter. At times he seemed to be erratic. He had a short reach with a tendency to run away when things got hard. And in the other corner was the undisputed, undefeated champion of the world. On this day, God and Jacob got into the ring. God called the fight because he came in a fighting mood, but it was Jacob that demanded it because of what he was in pursuit of. Now understand, church, this fight could have ended as soon as the bell rang. But God had a purpose and an intent in this fight. God wanted to wear him out because Jacob tended to be tenacious and persistent. The previous fight in which he lost, lost, he would never admit his defeat. That was one of the problems with Jacob. When he was defeated, he never admitted it. He just went to another fight. And I wonder, is that descriptive of some of you listening this morning? You see, church, there's something about life that's not easy to identify and it's even harder to admit. But one thing we can discover about life is that defeat allows us to recognize some things that we failed to admit. And when we admit them, we find a release of deliverance and strength. Genesis chapter 32, beginning with verse 24, it says, So Jacob was left alone. I love that. The Bible says, So Jacob was left alone. And why is that so important? Because everything that he depended upon, everything that meant something to him was removed. God removed him because he was concerned that Esau was coming and he wanted his family to be safe and everything that pertained to him. So God removed him from himself. And on this particular night, he was left alone. And church, that's important for you and for me because there are moments in life that you have to find yourself alone in order to understand what God is speaking to your life. Because church, we have a tendency to depend upon other things. We have these crutches in life that we use to help us walk in this life. And sometimes God removes those things from our lives in order for you to understand that the only thing that upholds you and the only thing that strengthens you in whatever you go through is Him and nothing else. It says, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Verse 25 says, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched. That's another word for twisted as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said to him, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. You have overcome. My main point this morning is, is walking with a limp. And I want to ask you a direct question this morning. How many of you today walk with a limp? 
And you don't have to respond to me. That's just a question I want you to think about. Because you may be sitting there thinking, well, Pastor, I don't walk with a limp. I walk straight up. I'm fine. Maybe not physically, but I wonder, do you walk with a limp spiritually or emotionally? Church, walking with a limp is a reminder that there are things that affect us in this life. I want to say that again. There are things that affect us in this life. But within you, within you, you have the ability and the power that God has given you to either allow it to refine you or to define you. To refine you or to define you. Either way, we limp. For one, it becomes a weakness, and some, for somebody else, it be, becomes a strength. In other words, church, we'll either allow these moments of life that affect us to refine us and strengthen us, or we will allow it to define us and weaken us and leave us in that same state. And I want to make a statement right now. You may not like what I'm about to say, but everyone in this room and all those listening online, me included, walk with a limp in this life. The definition of a limp is a form of walking that favors one leg over the other and most commonly due to a disease or damage, an accident, or a situation that has injured us and affected us. It could be a divorce. It could be some tragedy that happened to you in your life when you were younger, a medical disability, a failed business venture, the loss of a loved one, and many, many, many other reasons. In Jacob's case, the limp in his life was a response to his desire. He wanted to be blessed. Jacob wanted to be blessed. But when you think about it, who doesn't want to be blessed? We all want to be blessed, right? But God understood to do so, there were some things that he needed to address. He needed to address the lies. He needed to address the wrong perceptions that distorted the opportunities of being blessed. And we face these things, the same things in our lives. We don't always talk about it because it's personal, but church, maybe this morning, there are some things that God wants to address in your life, and when He wants to address certain things, sometimes He takes us to the wrestling mat because it's about control and surrender. Do you want to be blessed this morning? The book of Ephesians chapter 1 reminds us that we are blessed. It is a powerful chapter. The apostle Paul makes a statement and he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He says, why? Because God has chosen us. Why? Because God has predestined us. Why? Because in Him we have redemption. Why? Because He has lavished us with His love. Why? Because He has put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. That's why. So what are you saying to us this morning, Pastor? Are you saying that we are a blessed people? The answer is an absolute yes. But the question remains, how many of us are walking in the fullness of that blessing? 
And I want to give you a few sub-points today as we learn to walk with a limp and contend for a blessing. Church, firstly, walking with a limp is a sign of dependence or dependency. And the first step is to take ownership of your limp. We have to take ownership because let me tell you something about your limping. It tends to slow you down a bit. It causes your pace to be altered. And if we walk with a limp at times, you tend to lean towards one side. And because of that, there is a tendency to look at your world from a different angle. You become a little more cautious and a little less independent. Hello? Every step you take with your limp reminds you of your vulnerability. And the thing about your limp is it goes with you wherever you go. The limp is a sign of dependency because it's a reminder to Ryan de Clack that he's not high and mighty. That he has not arrived and he still has much to learn. And you see, the faster I can learn that, the more I can be for God in this life. And so it's a sign of dependency that you're not leaning upon yourself, upon your wisdom and upon your strength. Because God's wisdom, God's ways and his thoughts are much higher than yours. But you learn to lean upon the Lord. You trust the Lord with all your heart. You lean not on your own understanding, but all, in all your ways you acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And I want to tell somebody here this morning, as you trust in the Lord, your limp does not minimize your victory. Your limp does not minimize your victory, church, because your limp, when you don't understand it, will cause you to become insecure and you start to make excuses. But when you understand your limp and you understand your dependency, you become secure, not in yourself, not in your limp, but in the God that is holding you up in the midst of what you are going through in this life. Someone needs to say amen. And that brings me to point number two. My walking with a limp is a sign that something has touched my humanness and now I walk with a dependency. I need to lean my whole weight on Jesus. There was a missionary in the 19th century by the name of John G. Payton. He was translating the Bible into a language called New Hebrides, was in the South Pacific Islands, and he searched for an exact word to translate the word believe. And he was having difficulty translating this word believe, but finally he discovered, church, that the word meant to lean your whole weight upon. To lean your whole weight upon. And let me tell you something this morning, church. That is what faith is to you and I this morning when we walk with a limp. It is leading your whole weight upon Jesus Christ. And you know, church, there are those of us who have been broken, broken and have not learned from it. And not learned to, to lean on Jesus. Did you hear me this morning, church? There are those of us that have been broken, that walk with the limp, but still haven't learned anything. And I wonder, you know, when we use the word overcomer, or we use the word conqueror, especially Paul in Romans chapter 8, where he says, we're more than conquerors. He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him 
who loves us, right? And I wonder, do we know what that means? Does that mean the more that I overcome and the more I conquer, that makes me more than a conqueror? No. That's not what it means at all. But it means that Jesus has overcome all things. Because Paul mentions life and death and angels and and principalities and powers and things present and things to come. He mentions all these things and he lets us know that Jesus has conquered and Jesus is an overcomer. Come on. And because Jesus is more than a conqueror, Jesus has conquered all these things and Jesus is living in my heart, that makes me more than a conqueror too. But I wonder if in my overcoming, if overcoming means not only have I overcome, but I've also learned while I'm overcoming. You see, some of us have gone through situations in life and we're still limping and we're still bleeding from those situations because we have not come to the place where we understand what has happened. We haven't learned from the experience. We keep repeating the same cycles. We keep falling into the same trap. We keep feeding the same lies and keep moving around and keep falling and revisiting the same old stuff. And I think it's hard time that we understand what it really means to be more than a conqueror. We need to start learning from what we're going through. Because church, walking with a limp is not a place of shame. Walking with a limp is not a point of shame, it is a point of change. I think of the example of Mephibosheth in the Bible. Do you know what happened to him? He was five years old and and Mephibosheth was the grandson of King Saul. There's a battle going on in the land and the Philistines win the battle and they kill King Saul and his sons, one of which is Jonathan, the father of Mephibosheth. And in the midst of everything that's going on, everybody is scurrying around and gathering things. One of the maids takes this young man and in the process of the apprehension and fear, the news of King Saul and Jonathan being killed, she drops Mephibosheth and he's, and he's paralyzed. And he's paralyzed for the rest of his life. But one day King David says, is there anybody of the household, household of Saul that is still alive? Because I want to bless them. Someone says, yes, there is this young man named Mephibosheth He's not young anymore, but he was Jonathan's son, and he's still alive. And David says, bring him to me, because I want him to know that there is a place for him at the king's table. And they get Mephibosheth, and they bring him to the king, and David begins to speak into his life. But I find something very interesting in 2 Samuel chapter 9, because as Mephibosheth answers King David, this is what he says In verse 8, he bows himself down and he says, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? That was his interpretation of what happened in his life and what his life was worth. Now understand, this happened to him when he was five years old. He's, He's much, much older now. But his interpretation of life is, I am a dead dog. That is the value of my life. Why? Because he didn't understand. Church, things happen in life. Whether they destroy you or not is really your perception 
of what has happened. And we should look, you know, we should ask ourselves at times, what has happened to our self-respect? Who did we give that away to that we feel the way that we feel? And I want to say to you, don't become a prisoner of bad things that have happened to you because the Bible said it is for freedom's sake that Christ has set you free. It is for freedom's sake. And don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Everything, church, that we have to understand is that in life, it's about perception. It's like the young boy that was asked, how long have you been handicapped with one arm? And he replied and said, I'm not handicapped. Right? I've, got, I've just got one arm and you've got two. But let me tell you this. I can probably do more with my one arm than you can do with your two arms. It's about perception. You see, church, we cannot pretend that our limp doesn't exist. Do you want to know why? Because when we refuse to acknowledge the things in our past that have brought us to this point, all the painful things that we have struggled with and the things that have made us who we are, we are robbing our testimony of who Jesus is in bringing us out of our sorrows into his perfect joy. We must not make accommodation for our limp and attempt to hide it from others. All of us have a limp. And yes, we suffer because of our limp, because that's our makeup. We are human. And so I want to ask you this morning, has your limp refined you and caused you to lean on Jesus? Or has it defined you, right, and left you stunned and paralyzed? One of those fights that, are, that took place that I was telling you about earlier was this young man named George Foreman, 25 years of age and the undisputed champion of the world. Muhammad Ali, at age 31, decided he's going to fight George Foreman. The only problem with George Foreman was that no contender lasted more than two or three rounds with him. This guy had such a powerful punch that they, they couldn't withstand so here's Muhammad Ali, and he had this idea that because Foreman hadn't gone past three rounds, he thought to himself, if I could just get him past the sixth or seventh round, maybe I can defeat him. In that type of atmosphere of boxing, I can wear him down. And maybe by the sixth or seventh round, he'll be tired, and then I can do what I need to do. And there was this approach that Muhammad Ali developed. It was called the rope-a-dope. Basically, he just leaned upon the ropes and he let George Foreman pound away at his body. Even though that was brutal in itself because this guy was a devastating puncher. But Muhammad Ali was able to do what he wanted to do. He wore him out and he won the fight. But the point I want to take from this story is that the loss affected George Foreman in such a way, in such an incredible way that he walked away from boxing. But he returned to boxing many years later. And at the age of 45, he became a heavyweight champion again. The oldest man to ever win a heavyweight title. And if you read some of the articles of the historical account from George Foreman, you will find that the reason he was able to come back is because of his loss to Muhammad Ali. 
That loss to Muhammad Ali caused his pride to come crashing down and his perspective of life to change. It caused him to find himself and to truly know himself. It caused him to understand things about himself that allowed him to come back and to be successful. And you may say, Pastor, why would you say all of these things in relation to the story of Jacob? Well, if you look at that passage and and what happened to him, and if you would ask Jacob, listen, what happened to you in that fight? He would probably say, well, I had a fight. And in the fight I won, but I really lost. But in my losing, I won. Are you hearing me this morning, church? There are things in life that you may think you've lost. But let me tell you, in your losing, your losing has caused you to understand and become stronger so that you can win again. Let the enemy's tools and weapons in your life be destroyed by the things that God reveals to you. So that you understand the next time you find yourself in that place, you don't fall into the same pit. You don't swallow the same lies. Because you have a new perspective and understanding by the Holy Spirit. We call that revelation. We need to understand this morning, church, that we're all in a fight. And when we lose the ability to fight or our will to fight, that's when you're in danger of becoming defeated. And I want to ask you today, are you still fighting? Do you still have a fighting spirit inside of you or have you given up? Maybe this morning you say, Pastor, you know what, I'm fighting. But man, I'm tired. I'm weary. I feel like giving up. I understand that, church. But let me tell you something about this fight and why it's so important. The moment our fight becomes weakened and when we're not walking in the power of the Spirit and you start thinking about giving up, there are old friends that come knocking on your door. And if I linger long enough with these friends knocking on our door, I may be tempted to open the door and allow these friends back in because it's my house. And I want to say to you, friends, your fight is an indication. If you still got fight in you, it is an indication that you're not willing to give up. Amen? I don't care how weak you feel. I don't care how worried you are, how much you've been pounded and punched and jumped upon. If you are still fighting, you're still in the ring. It's when you give up and when you quit that you're in trouble. Your limp is not your weakness. Your limp is not your weakness, church. If you understand it and you understand why it has happened, then understand what you've gained from it. Your limp is a sign of strength and power of the Holy Spirit because you are victorious. You're not a victim. You are a victor. You are more than a conqueror. And I want to say to you today, whatever you're thinking, don't give up. Don't give up. Jacob talks to us about life and about fighting And from this moment on, he walked with a limp. When people saw him, they would say, who's that guy? Well, that's Jacob. Do you know his story? No, I've never heard about it. Well, let me tell you. 
One day he got into a fight, and in that fight he won, but he really lost. But in his losing, he gained everything. Have you ever looked at what the angel said to him? When Jacob said, bless me, he said, what's your name? What's your name? You want to be victorious? You want to be blessed? What's your name? Who are you? I'm Jacob. But he says, no. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans, and you've overcome. The name Jacob means con artist or liar or deceiver. But Israel means a prince with God. Someone who has overcome. And church, once we come to that realization of who we really are in Christ Jesus, it will be difficult for you to move. And so what I'm saying to you this morning, church, is what product do you want to become in this life? Yes, we walk with a limp. But that doesn't mean that the limp defines us. The limp just lets, lets me know that I've been victorious and that it hasn't defeated me. My limp reminds me where I've been, but my limp doesn't guide me to where I'm going. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us life and helps us to be more than conquerors. Can someone say amen? Are you more than a conqueror this morning? You need to believe that. I, I want to hear you shout amen. 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 As we all stand together today in the name of Jesus, let's all stand. In the name of Jesus. Church, I want you as God's people to be secure. You might have come from bad situations. You might even have come from bad seed. Terrible things might have happened to you in this life. Don't negate, don't deny those things. But understand those things just let you know where you've been. And you're either going to let it refine you or it's going to define you. And I don't know about you, church, but I only want my God to define me. Not where I've been and not what's happened in my life. What's your name? What's your name? My name's Jacob. I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. I'm a con artist. The angel says, yes, that's who you are. But today, I'm going to give you a new name. Your name used to be Jacob, but today your name is going to be Israel. You're going to be a prince with God. And I wonder if he asked you the same question this morning. What's your name? Who are you? Would you be ready for that question? In the next few moments, church, as we worship in this house, allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and let him speak to you. And I pray that there will be a battle, a fight that will arise inside of you this morning where you will say, Lord, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go until my perception changes and I become a prince with you. I've been running my whole life. I've been running from situations. I've been running from honesty. 
I've been running for myself. I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. I'm a disappointment. Lord, I'm not letting you go today. I believe in and trusting that in your name from today, I will be more than a conqueror. I will not let my past define me any longer. I'm not letting you go. Lord, let that change begin in me today. Let that change begin right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm leaning my whole weight on you this morning. I'm not letting you go and I'm not giving up. Can someone say amen? I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up my birthright. I'm not giving up my destiny. I'm not giving up my inheritance. I'm going to fight for what is rightfully mine. Bless me today, Lord, so that I would realize who I am in Christ Jesus. In your own way this morning, contend with the Lord and let Him speak to you this morning. Don't let Him go this morning. He wants to make you a prince with Him. He realizes where you are, but He wants to give you a new name this morning. Just bless his name this morning as we, as we enter into worship. Bless your name, Lord. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord.